Now, you know, Simon, it's very dangerous to make me emotional before I preach. <laughs> I'd like us to uh, just to pray before we look at this scripture together. Let's pray together. That's, that song, Jesus, we totally agree with it. It is all about you. Everything we're about as a church is about you. We really want people to meet you, Jesus. We know that that's what's missing in our society. It's what's missing in our neighbours. It's what's missing in the people that we go to school with. Jesus, it's you. You are the key to life. You are the key to winning in life. We know, Lord, that uh, you know, Lord, that we're born losers. <laughs> in Adam, we're just born losers. But in Christ, we're born victors. We're born again into victory. And this morning, Jesus, may we lay hold of the victory that you achieved on that wonderful cross where you died and as you died, you were able to exclaim, it is finished and you rose again from the dead, victorious and you're seated at the right hand of the Father because the battle has been won on that cross, on that cross where, where waves of our sin bombarded you on the cross, uh, all the pride of the world just broke upon you, all the hatred of the world broke upon you, all the adultery of the world broke upon you, and our sin broke upon you on the cross, such that you cried out, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because you became sin for us. And in becoming sin for us, you gave us a new start, a forgiven beginning, and an ability to have victory over the enemy who is, hates us and is against us. I thank you, Jesus, for that victory. And I pray today for anyone that's feeling this week that they've lost. Anyone that's feeling this week totally beaten up as they come into the church this morning. And feeling that other people seem to be on another planet to them. I pray in Jesus' name that you would know the forgiveness of the cross. You'd know the victory of the cross. That you'd get a new heart. You'd get a new experience of the lifting of Christ in your life this morning. As we look at these scriptures together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, I want Hannah to come up. Uh, Hannah, would you like to come and join me with your scripture? Um, I, in my message, there was one scripture passage that I thought, should I include it or not? And I was in two minds, even this morning, when I prayed about it, I thought, should I include it or not? Then during the end of the worship, the Holy Spirit spoke to Hannah and said, read this scripture. Wow. That's a good answer, isn't it? <laughs> Hannah, come and, come and read it. It's in 2 Corinthians 2. But thanks to be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of knowledge of him everywhere. For, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among Hallelujah. those who have been saved and among those who are perishing. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. That's great. Uh, give that to, to Simon. 
Um, I, I love the picture that's in those verses. The picture in these verses is of what used to happen when uh, the Roman general who had led a battle in another part of Europe or somewhere, would come back into Rome. And as he came into Rome, all the crowds would be gathered round, throwing petals all over the victorious general in his chariot. And chained to his chariot and tied to his chariot would be the kings he had conquered and the peoples he had conquered, running along behind their new master, the general, who would conquered them. And that's what Paul is saying in this scripture. He's saying, I'm chained to the chariot of Christ, Christ who died for me, Christ whose love has broken me and brought me to my knees. I am utterly conquered by the love of Christ on the cross. I, I can't serve anybody else. I'm now, he's my master, and he's grabbing the chain and attached to the chariot, and he's running along, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, glory to Jesus, and the crowds are throwing the petals, spreading the aroma of Christ everywhere. What a picture, what a picture. And today I want to encourage you to be chained to the chariot of Christ. He's the reason why this message is possible, He's the reason why we can, can even bring it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. In, in all of Paul's letters, Paul hints or even sometimes directly states, like in Ephesians chapter 6, the fact that we are in a war on this earth. There's a spiritual war for the very life of mankind and of creation that's taking place every day and every moment of every day upon this earth. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person but not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, or our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. These Thessalonians who'd also joined that victory race through, uh, through heaven with Christ as their king. They'd, they'd surrendered their lives to the king as well. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions or be troubled or made to be no longer at peace by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we're destined for this. We're destined for this battle that you are in and I am in. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. And bear in mind, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Just as it has come to pass, and just as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow 
the tempter had tempted you and our labour would be in vain. In all of Paul's letters, we cannot miss the spiritual warfare dimension of his leadership. Not only did he carry the weight of his own spiritual battle, he carried the weight of the spiritual battles of all the churches that he planted. And with this church at Thessalonica, it was weighing upon him. He wanted to go and find out that they were still victorious in Christ because he knew that the tempter was tempting churches, like the Galatian church, for example, away from total devotion to Jesus Christ. Our personal walk, this church's walk, will only be effective as we recognise and claim hold of Christ in the battle that's raging over our country and the battle that's raging across the nations. If we turn to Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, we will see something of the extent of this battle. Right in the book of Revelation, we get the story of the book of Revelation and an overview of history and our story in that story. Revelation 12, verse 7. This is what's happening now on the earth. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. Who is that dragon? The ancient serpent from the Garden of Eden, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down where? To the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony for they loved not their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. The battle's hot, isn't it? When you look at, you only got to turn the news on for a short while and you can see the battle's hot. And it's particularly escalating at the moment across the nations. Now, we shouldn't be worried, but we should be watchful. And we should be aware that we, the Church of Jesus Christ, are in the scenario of this battlefield that's taking place 
on the earth. What happens on the earth is an overflow of what's happening in the spiritual battle that's taking place for the lives of men and women and even the health of creation. The whole thing is being bombarded at the minute because of the battle that we're in. And we know that's true. We've only got to read the book of Daniel. And Daniel was a man who saw nations spiritually and saw the spiritual forces that were controlling them and prayed against them. And we, hear, we see fully in, in Daniel how the spiritual forces are at war over what's happening on the earth. The devil has four traits that have come through in the reading I've just read. He's a deceiver. He's a tempter. He's an accuser, and he's a hinderer. Let us never touch those things in our spiritual walk with Christ. Let's not be deceiving. Let's be people of the truth. See-through. See-through people. People can see through us. We want them to see through us because Christ lives in us. Let us be people who don't give in to temptation and don't put temptation in front of others. Let's be people who don't keep making accusations and criticisms of others so that we don't destroy each other in the church of Jesus Christ. And hinderer, when people are eager to follow Christ, let's bless them on their way and do all we can to put each other into this mission field of God that we're on. There's two phrases that I want us to look at. These phrases are, number one, but Satan hindered us, in verse 18. But Satan hindered us. Uh, in, in Acts, he would use the expression, the Holy Spirit prevented us. No, he's very clear here. He says, Satan hindered us. And the second phrase, for fear. I find this quite moving. I think you can see that. For fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor had been in vain. Chapter 3, verse 5. That's not a temptation particularly of an individual. The tempter tempts churches. Now, some commentators have linked this phrase, hindered us, to the reading which Hannah brought so Paul is writing this letter from the status of being chained to the chariot of Christ and spreading everywhere the aroma of Christ. That is his status. And that's, that's our status. Christ's love and sacrifice have conquered us. Paul said this in Acts 20 verse 24, these, these words were said by a mentor of mine again and again and again. I would say almost every other time that I met him, he would use these words. 
to get it into my heart. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me to do. Your task is different to mine. In detail, not in essence, but in detail. If we think too much of ourselves, we'll never achieve it. Really hear that? If we think too much of ourselves, we'll never achieve it. Colossians 1.13 says that God has rescued us or delivered us is another word. That, that's the essence of the word. He has, he has actually dragged us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his son who he loves. Colossians 1 verse 13. That is what's happened to me. God has dragged me out of the kingdom of darkness and thrust me into the kingdom of light so that I'm on the right side in this battle for Jesus' love to sweep across this town. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who are perishing. I think that highlights for me the battle and the need for our prayers. However limited our prayers are, our prayers are effective. They touch heaven and they're thrown down to the earth. That's also in Revelation. Satan hindered us means thwarted Paul. Prevented Paul. Cut into Paul's journey. It has two meanings in the, the common Greek of the day, the classical Greek of the day. Two, two common uses. That word that's used there for hindered us. It could be used to describe the breaking up of a road, rendering it impassable. You can see where that comes from, cutting into the road, making it so that nothing could travel along it. It's a common military strategy. It's why bridges are blown up. It's to cut the road off, to stop the advance of an army. And the second meaning is an athlete running in a race being cut in upon by another runner who has a malicious intent of sending you off the track and out of the race. Paul doesn't say exactly what the hindrance was. We touched on it last week. But in some countries, it's easy to see. In a country like Somalia, Afghanistan... Sudan, India even, and many other countries, the law of the land and the religion that's in charge of that land prevents people 
from pursuing that path of sharing Jesus and worshipping Jesus. So two things we're called to do, worship Jesus, share Jesus. It's very simple, the Christian life. But in countries like that, even to mention Jesus in that way, it would be the death penalty or imprisonment or no work for the rest of your life because no one's going to give you a job or your wife or your husband leaving you or a jolly good beating up. Well, that's great, but what about other issues? There's other issues, and Paul could have been uh, referring to that issue. It's possible. Health issues. What is Paul speaking about in 2 Corinthians 12 when he says he's got a thorn in the flesh? He says, a messenger of Satan. This thorn in the flesh is a messenger of Satan. You read it, 2 Corinthians 12. That's attacking him and stopping him from doing things. But it's interesting, I find this quite bewildering in some ways. He seeks God three times to say, please remove this thorn from me, this messenger of Satan. And God says, no. For my strength, for those of you who struggle with sickness and health, long-term health, God says to you today, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Because <laughs> everything you achieve, you've achieved in Christ. <laughs> and it just gives glory to God. <laughs> and people see that it's only God in you that makes you keep going. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. God can use our thorn in the flesh and even our our sickness. You see, in this situation that we're in, Satan hindered us. Paul talks about somebody who is his big fruit. He boasts in Christ about this man in a way, not in a self uh, building himself up way, in a because he thinks so much of this man, the big fruit of his suffering, of his being prevented, of his being hindered was Timothy. He sent Timothy. If you're not to do it, Maybe you should be asking, who, God? Help me identify who is to succeed me. Who is to do this in the kingdom of God? He's called here our brother and God's co-worker. Some commentators, some translators of the Bible don't like that phrase, God's co-worker. So you're not going to believe this, but in some versions of the Bible, it doesn't say that. It says God's servant, but that's not what's said in the original. It's God's co-worker. In other words, wherever Timothy went, demons knew he was there. And they trembled because heaven had come down. Paul describes him in Philippians 2. I love this description and I long that that would be the description that God would have of me and of you. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. I long that it would be true of us. I hope in the Lord Jesus, says Paul, to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they, that's the others, <laughs> had plenty of the others. For there's they, not just one of them. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him. Hallelujah. God wants to send every one of us. There are things that we're not supposed to do, but God wants to help us identify who should be doing it, not us. And us to send them, pray for them, bless them, and just give them the strength to do it. I was in a uh, situation. I'm talking about Satan hindered us. I was in a situation, and it's another point that I'm making, where I was on a border. I wanted to cross into another country. I got out of the one country quite easily. They were glad to get rid of me. They gave me my exit stamp, and I was off across the border. The border was a few miles, but I, you have to walk across this, or you can get a, a, a taxi or a Buddha Buddha at an extortionate price. When you get to the other side, when I got to the other side, it was Sue and I, they looked at us, and they looked at our passport. And, uh, and at the immigration office, they said, you're not coming in. Well, I was ready. I was fired up. I was ready for the battle that was ahead. I said, I've got to go. They're waiting for me. I'm going to do this thing and that thing and the other thing. They said, you're not coming. Your passport is a new passport. We don't allow new passport holders in. Yes, it was just like that. Go and get your old passport and we'll let you in. I said, it's in England. <laughs> Well, they just prodded me with the gun, and <laughs> I was sent back with a flea in my ear, and I knew the point where you had to say, don't fight this man. And when I got back to the exit visa office to get my exit unexited, <laughs> I said to him, is there any way you can help me to get across that border? And he rose over me in his seat and looked at me, and he said, and this was a lesson to me, a humbling lesson. He said, do you not know it could be God stopping you from going in? I, I was absolutely blown away by that statement from this immigration officer. And I didn't go in. And the very bus that I would have traveled on, this has happened to me so many times, was attacked. More than 20 people lost their lives on the bus. I think it was 26, but I don't want to misquote. Lost their life on the bus, and the bus was burnt out, and people had to flee into the jungle. I would have been on that bus, 
with Sue. Sometimes when you feel Satan's hindering you, realize that God is sovereign over even what Satan does in hindering you. God is greater than all of that. And he has a plan through it all. Satan thinks he's doing his work, but in fact, God's turning it around to be his work. Hallelujah. That's how great our God is. Paul's hindrance also meant that we have some of these wonderful letters of the New Testament that we enjoy. Look, I think we need to get something right in this battle. This battle that we're in, even with the tempter, and I can see my time is absolutely blasted, isn't it? Wow. Can you stop that thing up there? <laughs> oh, my goodness. How long have I got, Sai? Five minutes. Wow. Okay, let's put this table up. Do this table, and I'm going to tell you a story and then bring a challenge to you. I have so much more, but we'll go with this table. The table, Satan and God. Look, this is something we need to get a very clear picture of. We're in the battle. We're in this spiritual war. Your life's important and my life's important. Let me get something clear. This is, an even, this is an uneven battle. We've already won. Satan is created. He can't create a single thing. He can only distort the created things that God has made in all their beauty and wonder. All he does is spoil those and pervert those and twist them. And he's, or even the values of God, Satan perverts the values of God and makes them bad. God is an eternal, heavenly, father, creator. He provides us with the Haynes Manual. Some of you understand that. <laughs> For life on earth. Satan was created. And Satan has an end date. There'll be a final judgment and he will be destroyed along with all the demons. Our God is from everlasting to everlasting. Hallelujah. <laughs> the devil and demons are limited in time, in space, in power, and in knowledge of you. Our God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and accessible in the darkest dungeon. Hallelujah. Satan hates you, and he is your enemy, and he's the enemy of all mankind. He's full of destructive acts. God loves you and his creation. Especially you, though. You were made in the image of God. Isn't that staggering? Glorious and fallen. <laughs> Satan has a limited army. God has an enormous army. Satan has been cast down to the earth 
Christ is exalted far above all principality and power and every name that's been named. Jesus is Lord. Satan was defeated at the cross. Jesus redeemed all mankind who will turn to him and creation at the cross and the resurrection. Okay. So I'm going to make it. Uh, we'll do the athlete one another day. <laughs> I had a situation where I went to somebody's house. This is a family where the mum was a Christian, worshipped in our church, and she brought the kids along. But dad was aloof and trying not to be interested. But unfortunately, they had to move house because of something that happened in their business. And when they moved house, <sighs> there was a poltergeist in their house. If you don't know what that is, it's a demon manifesting as a ghost that occupied their house. I'm not going to exaggerate this story at all. The whole family slept in one room, in one bed. There were three kids. They couldn't sleep anywhere else. Things were being thrown around in the house. There was an atmosphere in the house, and it was rented. They were really in a pickle, and they called me to go. So I had a chalk with me, and I drew a chalk circle in their living room on the floor. And I stood in the circle, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I claim this space by the victory of the cross for the kingdom of God. And then I looked at the family and said, so who would like to transfer from the kingdom of darkness <laughs> to the kingdom of light? <laughs> well, they... they <laughs> Oh, sorry. Yeah, the camera. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> I wonder what you were doing. Anyway, <laughs> well, uh, the guy just looked at me and said, You blighter. He said, I'm on my own now. <laughs> so, but it's your decision. You can join me in the circle or you can stay where you are and we'll get to work on the demonic that's affecting this house, and you'll be in that. We will be in the kingdom of God, just enjoying the presence of Jesus. It's your choice. What would you like? The guy just ran and jumped into the circle. <laughs> I have to say, there was a sense of the presence of God upon the whole thing, so much so. He was happy to be in the circle, and he's followed Christ ever since. So it wasn't an artificial decision. It was absolutely true. And just to give you the happy ending of the story, as a family, we drove that demon out in Jesus' name. And that house was a beautiful house. You could go anywhere, even the loo. It was a really good, a really good place to be. Oh, wow. We're going to an eternity. Paul makes that clear in this letter. What, what Paul wants to do is he wants to take as many people... Please hear this, I'm finished now. Paul wanted to take as many people as possible into 
that circle as he could. So he says, you are our joy, you're our crown, you're our glory. The more people he can save from tumbling into an eternal existence separated from God, that's what he was, he was just totally motivated by that. And he wanted to sweep them in. That's why he speaks about the Thessalonian church in this way. He'd, he'd managed by God's grace to see the gospel break into the lives of people and to bring them into the kingdom of God. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. I want to ask you a question today. Are you a good fellow member of the kingdom of God for me to be stood next to? And am I a good member for you to be stood next to? There's nothing worse than being in an army where half the army want to run away. And there's no, there's no joy in being in an army where half the army are not focused on the battle. They're focused on everything else. I, I would like to be to you somebody who's like Paul, running for the kingdom of God. That means declaring the gospel, worshipping Jesus in my life. I'm giving you the opportunity today, if we could close our eyes, just so that we're not distracted by each other, because it's a personal decision as well as a church decision. Are we happy just to be this size? When there's another 30, 30 odd thousand people going to hell at this moment in this area. Are we happy about that? I'm not. But the, what, what I'm waiting for, or what I think God is waiting for, is the church. He's waiting for the church. This is such a wonderful church. I really mean that. I don't flatter. Sue and I love it. But we want many other people to love it as well, who don't yet even know about it. Are you, are you ready to surrender your life again at the cross and say, Jesus, you've conquered me. I'm all yours. Are you willing to do that? I'm going to pray it. If you're willing, could you put your hands up, clearly showing God, God, I want to be in that circle. And I want to be with the kingdom of God as we enter this war on another level. Our worship went to another level today. And God wants us to go to another level. If you want to surrender your life again today, I'm inviting you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ again, to recommit yourself to be in this spiritual battle for life. Just raise your hands if that's you. Don't look at the people around you. There's some people still deciding, by the way. Don't look at the people around you. The other things are not worth living for. Lord Jesus, your love has conquered me. I surrender again. I'm still bruised, Jesus, from last week. But it doesn't matter, because it's not about me. 
It's about you. And my life is worth nothing to me in that sense. I'm offering myself for the battle. To serve you and to send others. In Jesus' name. Amen.